Press control to crouch. The Crouch Peak Podcast. All right, guys. So we are live with another episode of the Crouch Peak Podcast. Um, as always, a part of the Rush B Media Network. Uh, this time around, um, brought on Mr. Munster of Party Astronauts. Uh, he is currently the coach of said team. So thank you to Joe for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So the topic of conversation as to why I wanted you here today um, was to discuss the team development document that you made um, some point last week. Mm -hmm. um, I believe it was last week. My Yeah, yeah, it was. So um, first and foremost, uh, what inspired you to create this said document? Uh, well, we had been in the middle of player break and there wasn't really anything going on and I was feeling pretty bored. So I just wanted to, you know, refresh my brain, just kind of get me thinking about Counter-Strike again. So I kind of did this development and team building document as like a, a thought exercise for Counter-Strike. And as I was just like adding things into it, uh, I just thought it'd be something that a lot of people could use and could be really useful for like up and coming players and teams uh, as like a resource. So I decided to sort of fine tune it, uh, format it properly and, and put it out there for everybody to read. Okay. So when you say everybody, um, this kind of bridges into my next question. Were you considering any specific skill level when you made this, or was this literally for any demographic to tap into as far as uh, it's concerned? For the most part, it was for lower level players and teams, but it's definitely something that I can see being useful for some higher level teams like top premier. Maybe there's some stuff in there that even pro teams didn't really know. Cause of course, a lot of the scene is made up of very young people. So there's a lot that people just don't even know, even at higher skill levels. Um, but for the, for the most part, it was something that I, I was sort of developing for, for lower level teams, just like people first learning how to play team CS or people who kind of have an idea how to play team CS, but don't really know how to properly build a team. And they're just kind of winging it and learning as they go. Uh, I just kind of felt like this is a good resource for, uh, it's just kind of a, a, a group of information that I've learned over my years as I, as I've developed teams and worked with teams. So I just thought it'd, it'd be easier for me to put it out there for people instead of having them try and figure it out on their own, you know? Okay. Save, save a lot of lower level people a lot of time. Yeah. And I think um, a big issue with North America is um, creating that pipeline of information. I feel like a lot of mm -hmm. people are kind of in the dark as to, especially like you said, on that developmental cycle, getting yeah. your foot in the door, how to do those things properly. So um, yeah. moving to the first position we talked about, or we as in you, um, in this document, uh, the in-game leader. So um, uh, before we start, I yeah. just want to say, um, as you get higher in skill level, a lot of these roles that I listed in my document become not as relevant uh, when developing a team, because the higher skill level you get, uh, the more likely you're going to be required as a player to do and fill multiple roles. So when I focus around what I've, what I've wrote about these specific roles is more really focused for lower level people who are just like just starting out how to play these roles. Okay. So I just wanted to get that out of the way before yeah. we start going into each individual. And role. honestly, that's really informative because, you know, even um, 
you know, um, you know, great, the, th the thinkers of this scene, mm -hmm. um, you know, the writers and um, the higher ups of, you know, positions and staff and et cetera, we're constantly having that conversation of, um, you know, how to define a lurker, how to define yeah. a support player. So That's exactly. It, yeah. It, it is you know, and lurk are the big ones. Exactly. Yeah. So once you get to those upper echelons of Counter-Strike, they do blend. So yeah, that mm -hmm. is a very good, For um, sure. very good tidbit of information. So um, when we do start with in-game leaders, um, as far as that position is concerned, me personally, I'm of the opinion that NACS does lack leadership. So do you, mm -hmm. this is a two-part question. Do you think this is a fair assessment? And as far as when it comes to being a leader in NACS, do you think that is dependent on the in-game leader to be a leader outside of the server? Uh, yeah, so I definitely agree that NA is lacking uh, in-game leaders or people aspiring to be in-game leaders. But I think that's just kind of a uh, side effect of like interest in the game in North America kind of uh, fizzing out. Um, rec very recently, we've seen like a lot of interest starting to come back, especially in the form of like organizations starting to reinvest in stuff. And I think as this interest starts building up again, more people are going to be uh, in aspiring to these specific roles. So hopefully we'll see a resurgence of people trying to to become in-game leaders and, and help develop teams and players themselves. Um, but for now, uh, yeah, the, your question regarding like inside and outside of the game, I think at, at lower levels, the in-game leader definitely needs to be the guy that's kind of directing everybody inside and outside of the game. Uh, they're definitely the person that everybody on the team is looking towards. Uh, there isn't really any other player on the team that like all five or four other people on the team are like constantly like trying to be aware of what they're saying. So it really helps when your in-game leader recognizes that they're the person that everybody's listening to and kind of helps them stay motivated, helps them stay on track and do the necessary work outside of practice uh, that that's required to to really build a team. Um, which it also comes in the form of the coach as well, if, if your team has a coach. But at lower levels, coaching isn't really as prevalent, so it doesn't really apply. Okay, okay. Um, so you make a few gestures um, about the similarities regarding what it means to be like an opera as far as the importance. Um, mm -hmm. And you kind of bridge that gap between the op role and the IGL. And of course, there's a few other factors, you know, that make those two somewhat similar. Do you think it's possible... Um, in the current meta of CS to have that position be played by one player at a high level, kind of how we uh, were used to with like Fallen um, as a prime example. Do you think that's doable anymore? Or do you think the meta's kind of shifted away? Oh, you mean like the, the op IGL combo? Correct. Somebody who can go in there and dominate um, as far mm. as two really relevant um, positions in a lineup. Do you think that's doable anymore? I think it's definitely doable, but it's a very rare combination. Very rarely you'll be able to find a person who's capable of balancing all the in-game thinking with you know setting themselves up for for op plays since you know the op role is such a vital part of of a team's success they're generally the star player so having that star player also be somebody who's capable of directing everybody else on the team and kind of giving the instruction and making sure the rounds are playing out the way that's planned and putting in that extra prep time outside and stuff it's it's generally not something you'll come across, especially at lower levels. I think that's that's a very difficult thing to balance, which is why I think even at the higher levels, it's something that you don't really see that often. I think 
the two most notable ones that come to my mind are, are Fallen and Nitro, back when Nitro was playing in, in Liquid and they were doing really well. Okay. Um, so, preferentially, like you as a coach, that's not something you would want to aim for? Like I said, it it just depends on the player. If you have a player who's capable of, of that balance, then I, I don't see why you wouldn't try to make it work, but... Generally, there there aren't many players that are capable of it, so I would I would personally yeah try to to stay away from it. Yeah, sounds more like a um like a very rare talent kind of comes along. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So um, moving into entry fragging, um, definitely a um, high risk, high reward kind of position. Um, you talk about in the document, you say it's more than a role; it's a mindset. So again, yes. I got another two parter here. Can you kind of go deeper into detail what you mean by that? And mm -hmm. in your experience, um, what are the tells in server um, that a player is kind of locked into it versus it just being a role to them? What, what do you see in that? So the reason I say it's more of a mindset over a, over a role is because the, the entry rifler like mindset needs to be a personality trait in my opinion where it's like they're just a really selfless player they're really good at just shaking off uh misplays really good at shaking off deaths they just need to be hyper focused on the game they need to be constantly uh getting set up into aggressive positions or they just always need to be ready to just go in and and die and sacrifice themselves for the for the betterment of the team it's generally not a a, a role if you have it set like a, a set entry role at a lower level it's generally not a role that people get high stats playing which is why you generally don't see hard entries at lower levels because people are even if they don't say they are they are generally worried about their stats um you're not going to get good stats playing the entry role. It's just not something that's going to happen if you're a hard entry. And you need to be able to accept that fact and still be able to do your job in the in the matches and and you know, do what needs to be done. And that generally means throwing your life away to set your teammates up and get information and and get yourself into into positions where you can direct a a solid finish. Okay, so that definitely bridges into the question I was going to ask you next. I was going to ask you if it is hard to find players with that mm -hmm. mindset and if stats play a role. So you kind of already answered that for me. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, piggybacking off that answer that you've already provided, do you think there is a way, because I, myself, I, I do like stats, um, regardless <laughs> of CS, like I am a stats-driven yeah. guy sports-wise. Um, I like analytics. Um, do you think that we will be able to like find that balance or do you like, like when it comes to this entry fragger role, it is really easy. And I have players in my, in the back of my mind that have often be, been victims of that. Oh, look at their mm -hmm. stats. They got to go. Right. And then they, yeah. they replace mm -hmm. them and the whole thing crumbles. So right. do we, is this more of like, we need to rework the, the statistic systems or do we as like a community need to, um, kind of readjust our vision of what that means. Like, is is there a perception that's incorrect here, or is this just kind of I how? I think, yeah, I, I honestly, I think stat wise, that's just kind of how it is. There isn't really a good stat aside from I would say KAST that really gives you a good indicator of like how much impact a player is actually having with low stats. Because like generally, you'll be able to look at a at a game's uh, match page and you'll see like this guy has low kills. 
So he probably had a bad game. But if you also try like watch the game and you see him playing that entry role, and then you look back at the stat page and you see even though he had low kills, he had a high KST, that means he's performing the role that's needed for the team to, to succeed. Uh, generally, a high KST means they're they're putting themselves in positions where they can get traded. They're either trading their teammates effectively. They're like it, it just means they're doing their job. Like so, I think. The entry fragger position needs to be something that people look away from stats more, and it has to be something that they just look for in-game by actually watching them play. It's definitely something that, when I'm looking at an entry fragger, I'm I'm watching their POV in-game, I'm watching how they're they're playing around their teammates, how they're getting set up, how their teammates are spaced behind them, the, the kind of plays that they're doing, where they're looking for information, that kind of stuff. It's... It's something that you can't you can't see from stat pages. It's just not possible. Absolutely. And for those that are unfamiliar, when we say KAST, um, it's an acronym: kill, assist, survived, or tra or traded. That's a percentage um, mm -hmm. of how many rounds you were involved in, and you did one of those things. So, um, yeah. just for those who are unaware, that's what he's referring to. Um, so. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. The entry the entry frag is definitely an interesting one. You see, yeah. uh, you see a lot of um, especially like fan favorites players. Um, mm -hmm. They they're often like rubbed in between that divide where um, you know it's the dedicated fans are aware of the work they put in, but um, yeah. people who are just kind of like uh, stat vultures just kind of poking their head in and looking at it, it just doesn't mm -hmm. do them justice. So yeah, it's a tough exactly. one, definitely. Um, so moving on to supports um as if you know we haven't um had a, a those interesting discussions about these uh these vague roles it's just so interesting how you described in the beginning of the interview um you know when you do get upper into the higher tiers of um cs they do kind of fade away but honestly it doesn't really mm -hmm. seem like um it happens that far into the journey it seems like it kind of happens almost right away um you're kind of yeah. tested as a cs player um pretty early can you do uh, can you be multifaceted almost? I think that's really important mm -hmm. for players anymore. Yeah. Um, so when I look at um, support players, you did discuss how that's not a dedicated role, even in this developmental form. So even at mm -hmm. the, even the lowest echelons of CS, you, you mentioned it's not a dedicated role, um, but those that can do it or want to do it should be mechanically on par, right? They need yep. to be hyper aware of situations and they need to be communicative. So when I mm -hmm. read that to me, that sounded like, either an in-game leader without the calling or something like an in-game leader light version. Um, mm -hmm. Is that how... Like a secondary caller. Yeah, yeah. so like a mid-round kind of guy. Is that kind of what you think a good support player should operate like? So the reason why I said that it's not... I, I didn't say that it's not a dedicated role. It's not necessarily needed to be a dedicated role. Okay. There are definitely teams where the structure likes to have that as a dedicated role because when you have the same guy throwing all the nades, like you can build consistency and timings are set and everything like that helps for lower level players, especially when running strats. Um, but the reason why I don't think it, it should necessarily be a dedicated role, the, the support player is because support rifle entry it's those are three things that once you get to like mid tier toward to high tier premier level like that's something that most riflers need to be able to do all three things so when i say a support rifler i generally mean a player whose playstyle is generally slightly more passive who isn't as comfortable as as certain other players like playing aggressively uh 
going for those aggressive duels and and trying like willing to sacrifice their life um but yeah i agree that they definitely need to be mechanically on par with the rest of the team because if you have everybody kind of filling all the roles when necessary then obviously you would want that player to be as gifted as everybody else on the team as well so they have the same level of success doing whatever it is your team is trying to accomplish in the round okay okay so at at this current echelon of cs like every it's not an excuse anymore to be good at other facets like if you're just not good at um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's, kind of it's like a jack-of-all-trade sort of thing. Like, once you hit a certain point in your CS career, like, you kind of need to be able to do everything, excluding IGLing and opping. I think, like, having those as, as set things is, is fine, and generally what even pro teams do. But I think in terms of rifling, like, you, you kind of need to be a jack-of-all-trades. You need to be able to, to, to fill any role that's necessary for whatever's going on, because... Reactionary CS is is a big thing that people try to do. You need to be able to adjust on the fly. You need to be able to uh, call audibles. You need to be able to uh, fall back. You need to be able to cancel strats. Like if you can't do all three of those roles, then you won't be successful when things don't go the way you plan. Okay. So moving on to the lurk role, um, you mentioned how difficult it is to be effective as a lurk just because of the instincts you have to build, um, knowing the, ro the rotations, the timings, and of course, you know, seven maps in the pool, they, yep. they do rotate, so you, you, know, you do have to be active in this regard. So we're talking about a, de a, de a developmental document here. We're talking about somebody who might be reading this and they're kind of fresh, right? And then yep. we're talking about perhaps one of the hardest roles to encapsulate yourself in. Um, just because, you know, a bad lurk can, you know, kind of seem like a baiter, especially when you're in pugs, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm somebody who wants to be an aspiring lurker. How do I do that? Do, is it, it, do I just load up pugs and it's trial by fire or is there, is it more backend stuff, studying and whatnot? Um, yeah, I mean, pugs is fine, but you're not going to really learn rotations from pugs because people don't play pugs. They would matches They're They're not reacting as a team they're always reacting individually so you're never really gonna be able to identify proper rotations through pugging um it's definitely something that requires a lot of pro studying um it's something that definitely requires a lot of time with your team uh if you're at a lower level um if you're trying to become a lurk for a team then it's something that the rest of your team needs to be on the same page uh as you for you can't just be waiting for you can't just uh, sit on the other side of the map and you know the other team is trying to do something and you're just completely ignoring it and then just looking for your your 1v1 that's it's not going to be effective uh, it has to be something that's built into your team structure um the way you're you're looking for your openings the way you're trying to give your the rest of your team uh, another fallback route you know if, if whatever they're doing doesn't pan out um having the rest of your team on board uh makes it easier for you to get activated on your lurk which is something i hear a lot of like broadcasters use the term uh, activating you know when when you're in those uh off to the side positions where you're just kind of on your own on the other side of the map um the way your team progresses the opposite side of the map definitely affects uh what the enemy team is doing and can affect the way that you progress your role in the round so having set protocols or having uh your team know when you're going to be activating yourself or you know even you know the igl being the guy that is calling for you to, to activate yourself it's 
it's good to to be on the same page and it's definitely something that requires a lot of work to to get down and actually good would you say becoming an effective lurker is hardest out of the five hmm i don't know about hardest okay um maybe second hardest or third hardest, depending on how you view the IG, how much work goes into being a good IGL. I would say being an, a really good opper is definitely harder than any of the other roles, in my opinion. Uh, being an opper that can consistently carry games is definitely the the hardest role to to perfect. But uh, in terms of individual skill, I'd say yeah, probably the lurk is the second hardest role to to get down. Okay, um, I noticed nowhere in the document you mentioned anything about ability to like win one vx's being like the the clutch player the clutch guy. is yeah. that it, it, do you just not believe in that as like an isolated um expectation like having a zipnix do you not believe in that no nah, I, I don't think that that's something that's like a dedicated role in a team i think somebody is just if they're good at that then they're good at it and it it's gonna come up and sometimes it's not but for the most part the focus should be on winning the round as a team not individually so clutching ability shouldn't really come into play when when building a team it should be how can we most effectively win rounds using our teamwork and the pieces that we have not you know i'm i'm gonna pick up this guy for my team because even though he's not good at any of these roles he's going to win us every 1v3 or 1v2 or whatever because how often do you even expect your team to be in 1v2s because if you expect your team to be in 1v2s or 1v3s a lot then you probably need to work on other things first in my opinion yeah that's that's interesting that's a, definitely i wonder what the um and, and you know you probably if there was a way to to figure um like what percentage mm -hmm. of rounds you would even need like we're talking about activating how many percentage or what, what's the percentage of rounds you would even need to activate said clutch, you know? Yeah. Um, you know. And that, that person would even be in that clutch scenario. It's, right. it's, it's probably the percentage is so low. Yeah. That it's not even worth, you know, trying to dedicate that role or getting a specific person for that specific role. Absolutely. So out of the five being IGL entry support op, um, and then lurk, which one do you think our region is hurting for the most? Um, I'm not sure, honestly. I don't really follow a lot of low-level CS, so I don't really know how, how teams are, are going down there, but when when we need to make changes, or when we have made changes in the past, I, I think the role we've struggled the hardest to fill is the entry role. And then aside from that, I think, just like you, we were saying before, it's in-game leaders. There doesn't really seem to be a lot of, of up-and-coming in-game leaders, so... Probably those two roles, in-game leader and entries, probably equally as as scarce okay. in the scene right now. Just like people willing to be that selfish, I'll die for the team, I'll die for the cause players. We don't really have many of that anymore. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I wonder if that's like, um, sometimes I wonder if that's like an instant gratification thing. You know, I'm not trying to undermine anybody yeah. in the scene or anything, but sometimes, um, you know, with how quick everything is anymore in our society mm -hmm. um you know you, you wonder sometimes if that has something to do with it um so when i look at this year um 
you know, you guys, um, I'm transitioning away from this document, by the way. Um, yeah, that's fine. Awful segue. But nevertheless, <laughs> um, so when I look at the foundation that you've built, um, obviously, it's apparent you have the right mind in some capacity for the game. Um, Why, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, as far as, you know, uh, the dev developmental cycle, um, what it takes to, like, grow this thing, um, you've mm -hmm. done it yourself, obviously. You're now at Party Astronauts, um, currently unsigned for anybody that's looking. Um, and so like we talk about that, um, that instant gratification, you guys obviously sit on the opposite side of that. You're willing to put in the, um, the hours and everything else mm -hmm. necessary. So looking at this year, because now we're on the other side of, uh, we've had crowds back and, um, you know, things are looking really good for not only our region, but CS as a whole. Um, and for a lot of teams, this yeah. is going to be a really, really big prove it year. So what are mm -hmm. what's your aspirations moving into this year? Um, what do you hope to accomplish individually as a team? Anything? What What are you hoping for? As a team, obviously the the main focus is always to just keep improving. That's that's just first and foremost what every team should be trying to aspire to. Do you, um, I'm going to cut you off. Do you wake up every day? Like obviously you want to improve, but does that sit uh -huh. in the back of your mind that you are chasing a check? Does that even? Chasing a check? Yeah, like no, I haven't been salaried in my entire career. Okay. So it's never been about That's the money. That's incredibly noble, honestly. I just wanted to um, that. So yeah, no, I mean money is definitely important. Don't get me wrong. Like that's definitely a goal is to get paid to play the game. Because obviously if the money wasn't there, people wouldn't aspire for it, uh becoming professionals. That's sort of one of the, the reasons why people want to be pros. If the money wasn't in the competition, then the competition wouldn't be worth it. Um but yeah, no. For the most part, it's just it's just about the love of the game and wanting to get better at it. Um, when when we're talking long term goals, though, or maybe just for the year, I think the the team and I pretty much all agree that we want to just consistently requalify for pro league. Uh, we feel like now is a really good chance with a lot of the better players getting signed to partner teams and some other teams uh, leaving and whatnot. So just continue to requalify um we were watching the the major qualification process last year and we saw how close that a lot of teams that we considered ourselves better than got and so now qualifying for the major is definitely a big one for us um we saw pain making it through we saw triumph almost make it through eg was looking really bad and they still made it so we definitely consider ourselves to be up there in that level of uh possibly making the major that's a goal and then aside from that, it's just, you know, qualify for events, play events, get some eyes on us, uh, be good. And then hopefully along with those accomplishments and the accomplishments that we've already gotten and achieved uh, comes an organization willing to, to back us with some uh, support. And that'll give us even more room to grow and more resources to utilize to, to improve even quicker. Awesome. Well, I always, um, I always hold this reservation close to me knowing that um when you guys get signed obviously it will be a glorious moment <laughs> but man i yeah. hope i hope they don't take away the uh the graphic i just love your guys's logo so much yeah that's one of the things that i'm gonna be super sad about to see go is the the party astronauts branding because yeah. it, it was something that i've put a lot of hours into myself alone uh obviously the team helped out and you know we kind of split the cost for some things for stuff but it was sort of like my own project just kind of uh, finding a way to help bring attention to our team, I figured that you know branding the team instead of the players individually could be something beneficial, and 
it's just even though we never really grew to like a massive level like it was such a fun project to build and it's going to be sad to see the the logo go yeah i i wholeheartedly agree with that but um it's it's got to happen if we want to see you know everybody yeah it'll be worth it yeah for sure if we if we manage to find an organization then it'll be worth seeing it seeing it go oh yeah absolutely and i you know i feel hopeful towards that and i'm sure you guys too so honestly man that's all i have um you've been very thorough in answering everything i've needed from you so i appreciate your time i appreciate um yeah, you know, the effort you've put into not only um you know helping out the scene again like you said you need, you've never done it for salary i find that you know very noble um i mm -hmm. you know we need more people thanks in the scene doing this um you know and then hopefully we can all um, make it to the promised land. So that's it for me and Joe over here. So thank you, um, you know, for your time and everything. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. It's been it's been a blast. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, tell everyone where you can, you know, find you on Twitter and everything else. Yeah. So on Twitter, you can find me at Munster GG. Uh, you can also find our team's account at Party underscore GG on Twitter. Um, I'm always posting. I, I like to share ideas and and you know banter with people in the scene and stuff on my Twitter. But you can always get updates on our team and you know events coming up and whatnot on our our team's page. Uh, so yeah, give us a follow in both of those places. Absolutely, follow them on those, and they also have a Discord where you can go in and you can ask them questions. Yeah, and get it. Yeah, I would love to be to be more active in our Discord, but uh, unfortunately, it's not really like a a big thing. There's not many people in there, so if we get more people in there yeah it would be great to, to interact with the community a lot more absolutely absolutely yeah support support the homies and um let's let's find them a home so um once again guys uh monster gg that's where you can find him on twitter um you can find me lucas at rbm uh you can find the podcast crouch underscore peak um all of that is on twitter follow us all um get in the know get in the conversation and um that's pretty much it guys once more thanks to joe for his time um, go support Thank Party you. Astronauts, support Rushby Media, support NACS, the whole nine yards. Yes, so, sir. Once again, guys, thanks so much, and we'll see you at the next one. Press Control to Crouch. The Crouch Peak Podcast.